Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 423. Today is August 14th, 2023. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. In this episode, I want to do a brief market review and really focus on some of the shifts we're seeing in the market. It looks like perhaps in the dog days of summer, we've seen a peak to the recent rally in the market. And I think there's a lot of evidence that the artificial intelligence hysteria is starting to fade. I'm going to talk all about that in a second. Before we do, a couple housekeeping notes. First off, the Wellsteading Podcast has been reinstated and is back available on Spotify. I've heard from a lot of listeners that were looking for the podcast on Spotify. They couldn't find it, had issues getting it listed there. Well, that's all been resolved. Uh, frankly, I didn't even know that the podcast was back on Spotify. One of my daughter's friends had told her that she had seen my podcast there, and I told her that she had to be mistaken because we weren't listed on Spotify. Well, it turns out I was wrong. We are on Spotify. I don't know why, but I'm happy for that. I know a lot of our international listeners go there to tune into the podcast. So in any case, if you're a Spotify user, check out the Wellsteading podcast. We're finally back up and running there. The other item I wanted to mention is that in the previous episode, I talked about the possibility of maybe a Wellsteading meetup occurring before the end of the year on one of my trips as I travel down that stretch of highway on Interstate 80. Doesn't seem to be any interest in that, so you can scratch that off your calendar. As we get closer to dates when I may be traveling down that lonely stretch of highway, though, I'll probably put out a notice and uh, mention that if anybody wants to get together for personal one-on-one business meetings, perhaps I can make that happen. It'll depend on what my schedule involves, and that'll be a last-minute notice. But for now, it looks like there definitely won't be any well-steady meetups that are going to occur between now and the end of the year. Okay, so hey, how about the stock market? Speaking of the stock market, if you're receiving the blog post notice updates over at investablewealth.com, then a week or so ago, you would have received a post where I showed a chart of how despite all the volatility and everything we've seen in the headlines over the last 12 months or so, that the general market and even some high-flying stocks uh, like Apple, which are constantly in the news, well, really over the last 12 months, they've hardly moved at all. I showed in that chart that Apple at that time was only up about 3.5% from where it was in the highs that we saw last August. I also compared the performance of Apple to the equal-weighted S&P 500 and pointed out that that general index is only up 1.8% since the highs from last August. Now again, I point this out because if you listen to the headlines or watch read the headlines, all you hear about is the massive volatility in the markets about how many stocks, especially the tech stocks, are back to record highs and even how well the market's been performing. Well, again, if you look at it from a little bit longer perspective, you'll see that not much has actually been going on in the markets. And in particular, I want to focus on the equal weight S&P 500 as opposed to what we traditionally talk about with the S&P 500 index, which is based on market capitalization. Market capitalization means that the bigger stocks, companies like Apple and Microsoft, Google and Amazon, because they're so much larger in market capitalization, in the standard S&P 500 index, it's weighted in such a way that their performance has a larger impact on the index than smaller stocks do. 
Now, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, and this is the way it's always been. But another way to look at the general broader market, especially if you're looking at the broader market, is to look at the S&P 500 on an equal weight basis where all stocks are contributing to the performance of the index equally. Now, I bring this up because, well, a couple reasons. Namely, in the last couple weeks, maybe even a couple months, few months, you've heard much more emphasis on the equal weight version of the S&P 500 as opposed to the market-based than I think we've heard in, in a number of years. And that is because there has been such an outward performance based on a handful of stocks, which has really risen the index, which again is why I wanted to point out in that chart about how the equal weighted S&P 500 is up less than 2% from a year ago. Now, having said that and pointed it out, I also want to mention that normally I really don't care about the equal weight versus the market capped weight. And that's because I'm always looking at the raw numbers themselves. And in many cases, I'm investing in individual stocks or I'm shifting between one or the other of indexes, which are either equal weight based or market cap based. And at the end of the day, all I really care about is how my holdings are doing. And I really don't care how it's divvied up between the big stocks and the smaller stocks. If you remember going back during the pandemic, when the Federal Reserve and the monetary policies of the government were just flooding the markets with money, I owned at one point, I think, 147 different stocks. And a lot of those were very small stocks that I would never normally just wouldn't own especially the ones that had sketchy histories of profitability. Well, normally I wouldn't even own those kind of stocks, but when the market was being flooded with so much free money and the Federal Reserve had specifically said that they would do whatever it took to keep the economy afloat, even if it meant buying junk bonds of zombie companies, that they were prepared to do that. Well, in a case like that, I throw caution to the wind and I feel confident investing in these smaller, unprofitable companies that I normally wouldn't. But regardless of whether I'm investing or not, I'm paying attention to the broader economy because at the end of the day, it is the broader economy that matters. And a case in point that I want to bring up here is why I do think that in the situation we're in right now, it's important to look at the equal weight S&P 500 versus the market-based S&P 500, not because a handful of companies are propping one of the indexes up over the other, but because I believe that those companies, that handful of companies that have had a heavy-handed index and in bringing the S&P 500 average up so much this year, as well as the NASDAQ, my concern isn't that it's just a small number of companies. My concern is that it's not based on profitability. I wouldn't care now, just like I haven't cared in the past, if a company like Apple or Microsoft were pulling up the overall index because they were highly profitable and growing at a rapid rate. But that's not the case, and it isn't that they're not highly profitable, they are. Their profitability isn't in question, but it's the growth rate of that profitability based on their stock price that I believe is out of line. So it's valuation. You've heard me talk about this in many previous episodes, about how some of these tech companies, especially the ones that since about April, when all the artificial intelligence AI hysteria started, we saw these companies' valuations go in excess of 30 times earnings. Now, if you're growing your earnings each year at 30, 35, 40, 50, 100 you know, percent growth every year, well then, hey, a 30 times earnings is no big deal. But look at a company like Apple, and that's not the case. 
It was trading at well over 30 times earnings, and yet its earnings growth over the next five years is only expected to be about 6% on an annual basis. And that 6% is based on a very optimistic outlook for the global economy over the coming years. And if you're paying attention to the state of the global economy, you'll see that it's not so rosy right now. And that's why major exporting economies like both China and Germany are experiencing a substantial decline in their exports. Now, that wouldn't be happening if we were seeing a lot of global growth. Okay, I'm digressing here, but let's get back on to Apple and the AI hysteria. My concern with the big divergence of a handful of companies has less to do with the fact that it's just a small number of companies and more to do with the price improvement in the stocks is not consistent with the outlook in profit growth. Again, simply put, I think valuations are too high. And we're starting to see some cracks appear and some fading in the overall AI hysteria. As an example, both Apple and Microsoft have pulled back from their highs in recent weeks. And over these last couple weeks, both of those stocks are down in excess of 6%. And so when you look at both of those stocks in comparison to their 52-week high, well, Apple is down almost 10% from that 52-week high, and Microsoft is down by over 12%. From a technical analysis basis, both of these stocks have lost support at their 50-day moving average. Both stocks are down more than 4% from their 50-day moving average. And if you're a stock technician, you know that the ability to hold at and have support and bounce off the 50-day moving average is critical for an upward trend. Well, that's currently failing in both Apple and Microsoft. In fact, Apple is holding onto its 100-day moving average, which is a good sign. But even with that, and again, looking at the long-term performance of Apple and where it has been over the past couple years, the price of Apple today is lower than where it closed out the year 2021. And so if you've been holding Apple for the last 18 months or more, even with all the extreme volatility of the ups and downs, you're essentially where you started. The situation with Microsoft is pretty much the same. It is slightly above its 100-day moving average, though. I focus on these two stocks because they are the largest two components of the S&P 500. I think between the two of them, they account for something like 17%. So that's a significant number. And if they're starting to break down, then I think that that will have a disproportionate impact on the index, just like it did on the way up, it will likely have a worse impact on the way down because remember, the other elements of the index haven't been performing that well overall anyways. And a contraction in the big high-flying names would be expected to spook the rest of the general market and pull it lower. And if you look on a relative performance basis of late, the smaller cap and the mid-cap stocks are performing worse, and this was as opposed to the headlines that we had heard, you know, a few weeks or a month ago, that we were seeing a broadening out and a better performance across the entire indices. Well, we're not seeing that. At best, we're seeing stagnation, and even in the ultimate AI hysteria-induced high-flying stock NVIDIA, which has a forward valuation of nearly 40 times we're seeing that it is down from its 52-week moving high by about 
It's broken below its 20-day moving average, and for now it's hovering above its 50 by about half a percent. So NVIDIA overall is faring better. It is getting support at that 50-day moving average, but I think the performance that we've seen in the last couple weeks may be indicating that some of the bloom is coming off the rose of the AI-induced hysteria, and if that's the case, I'll make the assumption that the general indices will go lower, because for now there's nothing on an economic front to support rotation into those other areas. And again, I point out, this is a global occurrence. You know, we started out the end of last year, the beginning of this year, with a lot of enthusiasm. The media narrative was that China was going to have a major rebound because they were finally opening from their draconian COVID-19 shutdowns. Uh, And you look now, you look at how their stock market has stumbled, how their economy is in shambles, not only from the reoccurring problems that that they had before the pandemic, with the real estate bubble, and just the general fact that even after they'd been shut down for three years with hard COVID lockdowns, that they can't get their domestic economy growing at even a 5% rate, which if you remember the U.S. when we reopened, we were able to exceed 6% growth. So there's definitely problems with both the two largest exporters, China and Germany. And even if you look at Japan, which... Up until recently, you'll remember that everybody was piling into Japanese equities. Earlier in the year, Warren Buffett had talked about investing in Japanese banks and investment firms. That drove a lot of capital into the Nikkei. But as we get into August, look at the performance of the Nikkei. It looks like it had a double top earlier this summer. It's broken below its 50-day moving average. And if you're investing in Japan through an ETF like EWJ then the performance is even worse because of the strength of the U.S. dollar. So EWJ has not only broken through its 50-day moving average, but it's barely holding on to its 100-day moving average. It's down more than 5% from its 52-week high, and it's effectively right now at the same price that it was prior to the pandemic. So not much going on of worthy note in the global economy, And don't get me wrong, I don't think that's a harbinger for all types of horrible things to happen with our general market. As I put out a video in May of uh, 2022, a little bit after the invasion of Ukraine, I talked about global choke points and the three areas that were actually going to benefit the United States over the global economy. That was in the areas of energy production, agriculture, and weapon systems. And over this past year, those areas have more than sustained the U.S. economy. It's why we haven't experienced an energy crisis like Europe has seen, which was many people thought would be similar to the U.S. going through the Arab embargo incidents that we had in 1973 and 1979. Well, it's not the case because despite all of North America's problems, this continent and the U.S. economy in particular do have a solid underlying productive economy. My concern was that the economy had to get through the excess stimulus, adrenalize the economy, and in particular the stock market. And the pullback that we saw from that last year, I don't think has yet been resolved. I think it will be. I think there will be a great time to invest. And especially as we get into next year, the investments that have been made particularly in the U.S. manufacturing sector, I believe will be producing some solid profits. 
And so I'm preparing to move into those sectors. But for now, as I've been for many, many months, I remain mostly invested in money market funds, which now are paying in excess of 5%. And as I talked about in a previous episode, given current market instability, I regard money markets at their current yields as being much more favorable than owning dividend-paying stocks because they're paying substantial yields and they have no downside risk. So until the odds are more favorable, that's where I'm going to park my money. So until then, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.